weirdthings.com, where we explore that place between science and fiction. I'm Andrew Maine, and joining me as usual is Mr. Justin Robert Young. Hello, gang. Mr. Brian Brushwood. Greetings. Gentlemen, I have sitting next to me my copy of the Book of the Damned. On top of that is my copy of the Necronomicon. And on top of that is a copy of Tales from the Crypt. I thought you were going to say Dianetics. Go ahead. No, that was, I. you know what's so funny is I actually have in my pile of, uh, how should we say, pseudoscience books, I actually have a copy there. And I was tempted to actually do that. So, touche <laughs> to you, sir. Touche. Uh-huh. See, that's proof of mind reading. I've got the gift. Well, I'm glad that you brought up the subject of supernatural or superpowers, Brian, because as I pull out this slip of paper that's been tucked in here, and I don't know where these things come from. I don't know who suggests them or why they're relevant, but we have a list. In every show, there's a list of things that we need to explore and to bring together your brain talent, which almost collectively equals one whole human being. And apply Almost. to Dare to dream, baby. Dare to dream. Brian, you're a magician, among other things. I am a magician. I, ha- and I'm flattered that you would even think there would be other things in there, too. But yes, magician. You hammer nails into your head. You eat fire. You do many things that many people would consider to be... Idiotic. That, and maybe perhaps borderline supernatural. Yes. Eat fire, to actually eat fire, one of those primordial forces you consume it like some sort of reverse dragon man <laughs> you know what i'm gonna start promoting myself as the reverse dragon man no, I, like I, I prefer like some kind of reverse dragon man you should put that brian brushwood like material. some kind of reverse <laughs> dragon man you do the you do the blockhead you hammer a nail into your head which someday uh we'll have to trade stories on the first time you tried that trick and the first time yeah um, because, uh, cause your first time story will be better than mine. No, I don't know. I don't know. You still <laughs> do it. You still do it. I don't. So I think yours was probably the more productive one. Yeah. But, which probably means you have the better story <laughs> on another show on another show. So let's turn the tables on Justin here. Justin Ooh. has, as far as I can tell, no real skills or talents, none whatsoever or intelligence. Not even the fake kind like you and I do in magic. He's the nope. uh, Charlie Day of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Really not even much of an imagination either now that I think about it. Pretty pretty much a dollar. Not going <laughs> to lie to you, kids. So, Justin. Woo! Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have a superpower? Just say yes or no. Oh, God. No, I've, I've, wand- I've wondered about this constantly. Okay, right. did you miss the part where he said just say yes or no? <laughs> and you already screwed it up. <laughs> Super intelligent. He's busy huffing paint in the corner. Go ahead. Hey, man. We've seen some headlines in the news periodically about invisibility technologies. We have a story coming out about an alleged invisibility ray. And there's, you know, in fiction, stories about people coming back as spirits. There's astral projection. There's even been kind of cool angles on a story where they talk about people who maybe through psychology and hypnosis can convince you that they are not there like the shadow. Justin, if if you had the power of invisibility. Okay. Now, how you got it, it doesn't matter. Let's just say maybe it's some sort of fringe ability where psychologically speaking – you are the camouflaged man. People do not see you if you choose them not to. Okay. You woke up tomorrow. You had this ability. What, well, bonus, what, right? Number one, self high five. What do you do after the self high five? Yes. Uh, all right. Camouflage man. All right. So, I mean, really, the hack things are like you know, look at a girl in the shower, oh, rob yeah. a bank, something like that. Um. So th- those are all things you would do, right? This yeah. is like at the top of your list are all Brian. the ha- hack things, right? Yeah, well, uh, no, definitely. I mean, because like it would be like getting like a really, really nice car. Like eventually you'd have to just go and show it off and everything. Like because what else is the point of having a real nice car? You're not just going to leave it in your, in your driveway, Here's- right? Here's the other question is, do you have to get naked in order to do the invisibility thing? Like, that was always a uh, hilarious dun- substack. Do I have to? Lord, no. Lord, no. No. All right. So I'm just walking around in my regular clothes doing whatever I want invisible. You wake up tomorrow 
was about to say nine in the morning, but let's be honest. Tomorrow, <laughs> two well, two o'clock in the afternoon. Right. With the power of invisibility, how do you utilize this? Um. Well, first, I'm driving everywhere just to see everyone's faces, <laughs> just to watch people's reactions. Yeah, it's I'm, Kit driving down the street. Exactly. I'm just like, like, oh god, everybody's freaking out. Um. Number two. Oh, man. Uh, well, here, let me make it easy for you. Okay. Do you go public or do you keep it your secret? Oh, you man. Keep I'll tell you what. I'm eventually going public, but goddamn, if I'm not. And this is really for the public just as much as me. Like, I got to make sure this is real, that I'm not just this is, all the You don't sudden... want a tip that you've cracked Enigma. You, you need it to be a secret. You need everyone to think they're safe walking about with their bras off. <laughs> Well, and also, like, to be honest, like, I don't want this to be the Michigan J Frog of superpowers. Like, I don't want to. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to, like, go public and be like, I am the invisible man. And, like, everyone's gathered at my press conference. Now watch, mere mortals, as I demonstrate my ability. And then I'm just standing there with my finger outstretched in the air. And it's like, I bet you guys don't know that I'm flipping you off right now, huh? I'm just standing in the corner, shaking my head, covering it with hands. Exactly. Like... As the world gives a collective face palm uh, yeah. to the most embarrassing thing that's ever been broadcast. So, like, yeah, I'm definitely going out there for two weeks. Uh, maybe I'm trying to sneak a peek at boob. Not going to lie. But uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going so far as the criminality of, like, uh, robbing things. No, Maybe. but what about what about something gray? Like, would you get paid to hang out at a Texas Hold'em game and just you know just give a little peek as to what everyone else's cards are? Yes, hmm. absolutely. Maybe yeah. Maybe some quick some quick cash that way. Tip, tipping off my buddies playing poker. Well, what about like you have a friend of yours who's a magician who unfortunately most of his act relies on self-mutilation because he doesn't have any actual talent, <laughs> but he would love to do some kind of second side act where like he would like to take credit for being able to see, you know, cards people are holding or whatever while he's blindfolded. Would you peek at those things and then whisper them into your magician friend's ear? Considering he mostly plays colleges and they also have dorm room showers. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Done. <laughs> Booked. By the way, you know, we've been actually been doing a lot of research here at my very household on invisibility. And specifically, my wife has discovered <laughs> that the secret to invisibility is to have a husband who's a very public figure. And then suddenly nobody can see her anymore. Sure, she's that's pumped about really, that. That's really sad. <laughs> and so began Brian's romance novel. <laughs> The, the man invisible who is kind of sort of not there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am, uh, I got to be honest with you, uh, you know, short of writing a horrible knockoff of Animal House with a science fiction theme, how mundane your potential applications for this technology are, this ability, this capability. My, like, are. really, like, it's one of those things where the possibilities rush at me so quick, I kind of freeze up. Oh, like, I'm sure... Right. There's I'm sure so eventually many, your mind is just racing and seeing yeah, so many things. It's a no. world with nodes of <laughs> transient thought. I tell and you, you come up with, oh, I don't know. I want to go stare at 19 year old girls in a sorority house. Not faulting that. Not yeah, you want to know what? I'll tell you what. I'm still going to stick with that. I think it's uh, I think <laughs> if this were on the family feud, uh, everyone else would be clapping. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Well, here's, here's the thing. It's like uh, I I have not put a lot of thought into what I would do if I were invisible because there's not a lot like, you know, the last thing on earth I want to be is invisible. You know, it's like my whole show is nothing but the subtext of look at me, look at me. And if you're invisible, you don't get to get to do that. Well, you're, you're not visible. You can switch it on and off, Brian. It's not like you've got to live the rest of your life. The invisible man. I mean, let me give you okay. a scenario. OK, Brian, let's say on That's stage. Good. You have a cardboard box, a dumpy cardboard box, a beat-up cardboard box. You say, all right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to perform for you an incredible illusion. You climb inside the cardboard box, okay? Then you turn yourself invisible, and then you climb out of the box. Okay, let me let me ask you this. So, so it sounds like you said I don't have to get naked, which means I have the ability to make my clothes invisible as well, right? It's you and your clothes are all going to be invisible. Okay. Let me tell you this. If I have the ability to make objects invisible, I'm going to make a mint first right off the bat 
for the medical community. You don't want an MRI, you walk up, Brian puts his hand on your belly, and we just keep making stuff invisible no, until we find your tumor. It, it's not really like that. It's gonna oh, be. It's, it's more of a. It's <laughs> it's more of an illusory okay. invisibility. Whatever. Okay. Don't right. get so greedy, Schwartz. I put my hand on your belly and I convince you that it's becoming more and more invisible till you're pretty sure you see where the tumor is. You think? See, same deal. It doesn't matter. I'm still getting paid. All right, listen. So you're, and, you're, Andrew obviously has a list of five things that will not only change society, but make us all <laughs> filthy rich with this invisibility power. So please, Professor, explain. Well, I mean, first you do the most incredible magic act you can imagine. I mean, you, you put the Boring cardboard box next. on stage. What? You think about it. You think about it. what a way to utilize it at first, okay? If you want to go into the shady side, yeah, there are ways that you can cheat at gambling and do other things like that. You go knock on the James Randy Foundation, ask for that million bucks, but in a magic act, I mean, you don't just, it doesn't just mean that you can, you know, disappear. You could levitate objects, things like that. You could have somebody stand on stage and then you say, all right, this is all about you. You walk off stage, you walk back on stage, invisible, pick them up off the ground in a bear hug and they're floating in the air awkwardly, whatever. So as an entertainer, you get, you get a volunteer and mm -hmm. she's like really attractive. You say, lay down on this table. And then she lays down and she's floating. And then I'm like, (laughs) yo, lay down just a Robert Young. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you, 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 how is that a great magic act? Your show you just, you just have a girl that. lay on you, dude. Are you kidding me? Your no, show starts Keep with you secret. walking on stage, invisible, snap your fingers, and boom, you're there. All right? I yeah. mean, you've got, you can get a TV deal now, out of that, does I'm sure. That, does that lose any luster if you go public, though, and you're the guy who turns invisible You can't, or not? yeah. You, 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 you don't ever go public? Exactly. That's why what you do is maybe you don't make it perfect. You make it good, but not perfect. So you walk on stage invisible, you pick up a sheet drop it over your head and boom you just appeared under a sheet you pull away the sheet and you're there and then you go do this public and press conferences and stuff but you insist that you're a magician and now people are convinced you're the most awesome magician in the world by the way i I picture like if justin were invisible and i used him to levitate me i picture what i would look like physically of like justin awkwardly kind of arms around my chest leaning back kind of herky jerking me up and down <laughs> do you now do you now <laughs> and, and brian's body just kind of just kind of bobbing up and down like somebody's giving him the heimlich exactly <laughs> and then someone screams yo you getting held up by justin robert yo <laughs> yes you can never let that cat out of the bag dude if you ever tell anyone you're invisible you're fired um I am really disappointed by the direction you guys took that in and your uh, your very perverse lack of imagination on that. So I'm just <laughs> going to change the topic entirely. Wait, oh, I thought you were about to say announcing you're actually invisible. I was, that's <laughs> what I was now. waiting. Not <laughs> yeah. now. Not after this brainstorming session, yeah. morons. Huh. going to have to hold that one off for a while. We do have a post that will go up about an invisibility ray, and it's very interesting um it's from popular our applications it's from popular mechanics and it's you know from a billion years ago and it reads if you read the description that we put up there it reads suspiciously like a description of a magic trick and the applications all involve theatrical applications of how you would use it in a show but they insist it's not a magic trick so they did not have the clever idea that you did if it's real technology to find tumors. No, they're like, you make a showgirl appear on a piano. <laughs> and so what you're saying is that uh, that the maturity level of the writers, of popular mechanics are exactly right in line with Justin Robert Young and Brian Brushwood. It's very naive. I'll just say that. I'll say that. So, Brian, Justin Robert Young and myself were at the James Randi Educational Foundation on Friday putting together yes. the plans for the announcement that we've made about a Houdini seance, which will be this Halloween where we try to contact the spirit of Houdini. Don't say try, dude. Trying is for quitters and for failures. We are going to actually contact Houdini. He will speak and take questions live on the Internet this Halloween. Is promise. what I would like to believe. <laughs> so we're going to be in the library of the James Randi Foundation, surrounded by all sorts of ephemera of the paranormal, occult, supernatural, lit by candles and maybe some discreetly placed lighting to give the proper lighting for the video cameras. Capturing this and streaming this live, Brian, you're going to be broadcasting live from your lair. My lair. BBHQ. Presumably in a dark environment. I will Candle get candles. It. 
candlelit. There you go. Bonnie's going to love that. What are you doing? No, nothing. <laughs> Just lighting some candles and the incense. Houdini's here, sweetie. <laughs> let's, let's, let's hypothesize for a moment, Brian. Let's imagine that, let's say the night before, two nights before, you're in your hotel room and you said, you know what? Let me try this. You light a candle. You do whatever it is that we're going to suggest that you do to invoke the spirit of Houdini. Automatic writing. Perhaps. A little what, bit of the Ouija. Let's say automatic writing. Okay. You distract yourself. You look away. You close your eyes. You put a pen in your hand and you have a piece of paper. If you saw a letter, if you wrote down and you looked and all of a sudden there was a letter handwritten in Houdini's handwriting, what looks to you like Houdini's handwriting, would you be mm-hmm. a believer? Would you be convinced now? Uh, by, by the way, Houdini dots his eyes with smiley faces. Yeah. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Unfortunately, all I can picture is writing the word boners over and over again. So I'm having a tough time here. He had quite a sense of humor himself, too. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, man, that's, that's, I think, the biggest thing that makes skeptics into believers is when you have an experience that you yourself personally cannot explain, mm-hmm. it short circuits the scientific method because it's so potent that you you don't want to doubt like well could it be i'm subconsciously doing this it's like no dude i felt a ghost move my hand and this is Mm -hmm. houdini's handwriting and i've never even seen houdini's handwriting before as skeptics we know that's the worst evidence in the world but yes no but when it happens to you though it's very difficult Mm -hmm. to to get past that i agree i agree i'm gonna say i'm gonna say i think i'm as susceptible as anyone else and if I have a very powerful, very real personal experience, I, I think I could be made a believer overnight, just okay. like that. So you're sitting there. You pick up the pen. You have the piece of paper. You feel maybe trance-like whatever. You got some Enigma music playing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes. The so, sadness. So <laughs> okay. This is All right. And you start writing and you're not paying attention. And then you look down and you're like, oh my God, there is writing. You're like, wow, that's letters. And you and look it at it. It says boners. <laughs> it says, it says, this is Harry Houdini making contact from the other side. At last, I've been able to breach through the veil back into the land of the living. And this will be the first of many conversations I'm going to make through this vessel. Something like that. Okay. You see okay. that right there. What I'm you- very I'm very heartened by the fact that he says first of many because if he doesn't say that, I'm totally despondent because I'm aware the mm-hmm. moment it happens, I'm aware nobody will ever believe this ever. And then All he right, tells but- you that my murderer was really Matthew H. Boners. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Avenge me, Brian. <laughs> Avenge me. So you're sitting Boners. there with this piece of paper with this write on. Are you convinced now? I am at this point, but but it's going to be one of those I had. It's like discovering x-rays in my basement lab- laboratory. It's like I just, you know, have my mind blown, but I understand that there are rigors and how is everyone else going to perceive this? So immediately, you know, I, I buy every camera I can get my hands on. I turn everything on and I try to replicate the results. Justin? Uh, I'm freaking out. I tell everyone I know and I forget to record it. Like if I'm being absolutely <laughs> honest, I, I just I freak out and I call people. I'm I'm hitting all of my uh, uh, my iPhone uh, uh, auto dial contacts and I'm just screaming and yelling to the point where nobody can understand me and I look like a lunatic. And at that point, it's really up to Houdini. Listen, if Houdini comes back and saves me, then uh, then you know it, it's going to be up to him. But otherwise, like if I'm really honest, I would freak out. Well, we posted an item last week because it was the anniversary of the 10-year anniversary of Fight Club. Yeah. Oh, my God. Already? Yes. So 10 years ago, the movie came out, and the book obviously came out before then. And what was great about that movie is Ed Hart, and essentially it was somewhat a science fiction movie because it was based upon an idea in science, the idea that somebody could have a separate and distinct personality. Now, Brian – that piece of paper, nothing was revealed to you there that you couldn't have made up yourself. That's The fact true. that it was in Houdini's handwriting or what you believe to be, these are all things you're able to confirm right then and there. So there is no evidence there was any outside information, but because it conformed to this idea that it was Houdini doing that. But there has been a history. Now, there's a, it's been called different things, dissociative identity disorder, multiple personality, or conversion disorders. Does, and, does that actually happen? Like, is that all a Hollywood myth or is that a real thing? Well, is there an option C? 
Yeah. Okay. Now, there have been people who have displayed behaviors like this forever, okay? And this has been – accounts of this have been around you know, for as long as we've been writing accounts of people doing weird stuff. Prior to the 19th century, people who displayed radically different personalities were assumed to be possessed. If you started speaking another language, you took on a weird accent, whatever, it's the devil. And they had a very, very effective treatment for that, which usually involved murdering you. In the 19th century, they decided let's approach this scientifically. Let's try and find, you know, some sort of rational scientific basis for this. So they found in in that period, 19th century, they said, uh, here's a quote from Wikipedia. These conversion disorders were found to occur in even the most resilient individuals, but with profound effect in someone with emotional instability. There was a case of a Louis Vivet who suffered a traumatic experience as a 13-year-old when he encountered a viper. Vivet was a subject of countless medical papers and became the most studied case of disassociation in the 19th century. And from publications of this story, you have people like Mary Shelley, Edgar Allan Poe, and others start writing stories. Robert Louis Stevenson writes The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, exploring the whole idea of Mr. Jekyll creating this alternative identity, Mr. Hyde, who was radically, radically different. And that's a lot like Fight Club. So there is this tentative scientific explanation for what could have happened in that room when you wrote down what was presumably Houdini. Yeah, he went towards the supernatural. Hello, Governor. Who's Brian Brushwood? Right. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, is this is far from uncontroversial because, as they've looked into this more and more, some of the cases that they've said were a clear-cut cases have fallen apart. Upon further examination, there was a a, a when the field pioneer was a Jean Martin Chocot, and in the early 20th century, uh, there was an interest. And it began to wane because, you know, for not a lot of reasons, one of them was that a number of his hysterical patients, people who had this, were exposed as frauds and associations with him, you know, tarnished reputation. Sigmund Freud recanted his emphasis on the potential for this, and it started to become unpopular. Then it became popular again with the book Many Faces of Eve, and the movie came out, and then you had Sybil. But it's always been controversial. It's for some reason this condition exists way more in the United States than anywhere else. And well, some, I'll tell you this much, even if it's not what we imagine it to be, where it's like a different person living inside of them, the fact is that certainly it's a weirdness for somebody to act like there's another person mm-hmm. living inside them. So, I mean, clearly something's a little bit touched on, on these people. Doesn't shock me that it's all here, though, by the way. In the U.S.? No, because, they like... They invented that kind of crazy. Yeah, and also, like, we're, we're doing all right for ourselves, so, like, we got time to worry about crazy stuff, like people who live inside other people. And are, yeah. Like, you know, inventing stuff and creating all these false memories and everything. Like, if you you try to pull that in, like, the sedan, you got, you got way more stuff to worry about. You know, that's <laughs> like, way down on the list. Hey, I might have seen Houdini write boner on a piece of parchment. Oh, really? Please help me eat. Let's assume for a moment that maybe in some situations it's a real condition, that somebody really can have an ancillary personality and they can be separate, like separate sections of your boot-up disc. All right. Different partitions. Yeah, exactly. you partitioned your brain. Oh, finally, you're talking my language. Yeah, you're saying yeah. boot camp. Got Linux, Linux on one version. Yeah. You've got uh, Ubuntu flavor number 98 on the other. And maybe just BIOS to be crazy. Okay. <laughs> I have Windows 3.1, Windows for work groups. Oh, now you're getting a really scary story. So if you have this capability, let's say psychologists could say, you know what? We can do a session with you, and we can create this separate, distinct personality. So when you have a task you don't want to do, like garbage or whatever, you just read this command, flip the switch, whatever. All of a sudden, you go into Justin robot mode or Brian robot mode or whatever, and this guy takes over and does these things. Or I had to do – I have you know business stuff. I hate having to write business letters. I had to do some, some, some of that stuff today, negotiate, which I hate doing. You know, If I could flip a switch and all of a sudden have you know, this other stronger personality that likes to do it and do that, that's tempting. Would you guys? Yes. Yes, yes, but, yes, yes. But let me, let me further weirdify this by saying that I, I think to some degree that's already what happens to us. Like – I mean, like you decide that it's game time and you kind of 
certainly act a different way when you're on stage or when the pressure's on you. And it's like you kind of become somebody else during these moments. But you can't yeah, but turn you, it on and off. Like that, you, that, yeah, that's you kind of do though. You like there's no, rituals but, but you do to get in the zone. You but know, sometimes you're trying it to just become... doesn't work and those are off nights. What, what Andrew's saying is no off nights. You get, you get the straight dope. Every time you flip that switch, it yeah, is but that means, on. That means the other guy is always the one getting laid, and you're nope. always the one doing the no, dishes. No, you switch it back to you. What like, Andrew like, was what, saying. Mid-coitus, mid where she's like, how come you got so bad all of a sudden? <laughs> what, what Andrew was saying is, you flip a switch, it's lights out, you wake up three hours later, See, the house is painted. See? Well... Ah, look, ah. this was an Adam Sandler movie, and, and, and your wife has a huge <laughs> smile on her face. See, and then you're like, "Hey, baby, how about a little?" She's like, a three times in a night." I don't oh think my so. God. <laughs> See, all oh, said, that's the, the jokes downside. I could make if this were an explicit podcast. <laughs> so, do you or do you not decide to develop a supplemental personality to do the things that I you're afraid to do? Missing out on part of it now. Like if it's a subroutine where it's like I'm still in charge, but it's like almost an emotional drug. No, you're that not I'm in charge because you're incapable of doing these things, I know, Brian. I know. <laughs> What's the point of putting you in so charge? Really, I mean, the big thing We're is that elevate like, your incompetence and charge of two people now. I don't ever want to. I don't ever want my body to be doing something that I'm not part of the game. Oh, it's like, still your it's still your brain. No, yeah, it's no, not, you're dude. Doing if it. I you're don't just, remember just, any of it, you're just. It's not. It's not like we're you know. It's it's not like we're plugging you into you know. Some sort of the, the internet and having Peter and in, in Bangalore, you know, control you by no, remote. Okay, well, here's the thing, right? Uh, you live your whole life only for the last bit of remembrances 30 minutes before you die. And when I look back 30 minutes before I die and think about all the kick ass stuff I did, uh, I don't want there to be gaps in that where. I mean, I guess I did them. I'm told I did them. It's like I want to experience everything. That's that's why I'm alive right now, Justin. Uh, I have no problem like uh, Brian does about uh, channeling some aspects of my brain that I'm fully willing to admit maybe parts of my personality now are just getting in the way of. Like, would you it's let still us, me. Would, would you let us implant? Maybe we can do designer personalities. Maybe we could say, you know, Justin, we're going to have Richard Branson implanted into your brain so you can flip a switch and you can be him. Come on Hello, in, Rich. governor. There we yeah. go. I, I'm letting. I'm, I'm saying, chim, climb chim, on chim, in. Chim. There's room. There's room for all yeah. of us. Yeah, I mean, Brian, think about that. Think if we took some of the greatest business minds in the world, and all of a sudden you said, you know what? For an hour a day, I'm going to turn these people on and let them run my life. Yeah. Ooh, man. And I just derive all the benefits. I just I'm yeah. conscious for all the benefits. I'm just checked out for the for the yeah. work. But you know what? Like they're gonna. I don't know, dude. I I think I think they're going to be having more fun in that one hour and getting more done in that one hour where I'm checked out than I will the other twenty three hours. And I'm jealous of them already. <laughs> I'm all like, screw you. You don't get my body. Get out of it, here. It's it's like in uh, the ever watch Red Dwarf. Yes, there's an episode there where uh, uh, Rimmer creates like has his own gets cloned and he thinks it's going to be his best friend, but they just hate each other because they're exactly exactly. Alike. <laughs> Exactly. I'm already yeah. jealous of these other people who are doing my 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 nasty work. Well, we won't even get into in this discussion about the potential of what happened if you look into an alternate universe and you saw a far more successful version of yourself. I'm going to ask you a different question now. I do every day. It's called Andrew Maine. Yeah, listen. On this podcast, he's done everything first. He tells me yeah, about it. Yeah, as I share he's, my wonderful stories with my wife and children. He's and better looking than me. As I sit in my... Shutting this podcast. <laughs> we have a story up because the movie came out uh, Friday, Where the Wild Things Are. And so we put up a post called Where the Wild Things Were. And the idea behind the post was to talk about some of these fantastical creatures. When I say fantastical, I just think of things that you would make a five-year-old kid or us just go, wow, that's really cool, that may have survived into historical times. And let me give you a little bit of context and explain some of these. For instance, the last woolly mammoth probably died out around 1700 BC. And this was during the period when the Egyptians were building the Egyptian empire. There were mammoths around them. Holy cow. Okay. Now, the mammoths were living on what was called Wrangell Island, and they were 
probably pygmy mammoths. They're much smaller, but they were mammoths. They were woolly mammoths, so they were still alive. I mean, this is in historic times when people are writing about crazy stuff. When I talk about other things, like we will mention about like lost species of ace, ape rate. <laughs> Dude, whoa, species. hold on. Whoa, whoa, you almost whoa. got real interesting. Uh, talk lost, about weird lost things. Lost species of ape races. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like a cartoon character. Right yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a niche niche podcast way <laughs> after hours. Okay. Um, elephant bird. The elephant bird was a giant bird. You think an emu emu's big? Imagine a bird that's 10 foot tall and weighs 1,000 pounds pounds holy okay. cow that's a big okay. bird these things were living on madagascar Talking into the 1600s okay these were in madagascar until the 1600s these things were alive chaucer ate one yeah this was before Could've. chaucer yeah okay uh megalania was a lizard a monitor lizard that may have survived in historic times 26 feet long four thousand pounds what okay where did, where did this thing live new guinea and australia Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There was the giant husha, which was a large rodent that got as big as 440 pounds. That's as big as a common black bear. All right. That was indigenous to the West Indies. And this may have survived up until a point, maybe when the Spanish arrived there. All right. Now, remember Homo Florenses, the Hobbit, the Flores man? Yeah. Okay. Those little dudes that they found on the island. The little uh, dudes. That's near, the scientific like, name for or whatever. Them. Okay made a lot of controversy because here's this little dude they called the hobbit although technically not a hobbit but is a very very short maybe human maybe just a distinct humanoid species which we know it probably died around twelve thousand years ago but evidence there's folklore whatnot that what the people there called ibu gogo let's, which let's call a hobbit a hobbit it's a okay hobbit. All call, right. we'll call the hobbit i'm all with you so but you i know what if you want to be colloquial he's an oompa whatever go on <laughs> i just love the fact they called him ibu gogo <laughs> Ibu Gogo. I know. It's like, which, which hey, is, listen, it is really unfair to call this species something as trivial as a hobbit. Now, Ibu Gogo, please, <laughs> a dignified name. So, Ibu Gogo may have actually died off in the 19th century. Holy cow. Really? Yeah. So, after he ran for office. <laughs> there are some people who say that they're still around, all right? And that's why sometimes we talk about things on here, some of these fringe sort of stuff. Now, it's one thing to talk about. You know, is Bigfoot still running around the Pacific Northwest? Which there's something credible to look at, we can look at. But within human times, you've got mammoths, you've got giant birds that could stomp on people, you've got hobbits, you've got giant rats, you've got things that look like dinosaurs that are arguably around. Now, that's they're not T-Rexes, but if we get rid of our conventional modern-day sense of how we got to categorize things and just think about how they affect us on a primal level, pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, pretty much alligators are freaking dinosaurs. They oh, hung yeah. with the dinosaurs, and they're pretty much the same thing they were then. The Nile crocodile, my goodness. Those yeah. things are huge. So what do you think about the idea of taking an island? And a lot of these creatures survived for as long as they did because they were an island. What do you think about taking some of these creatures? And again, I, I realize there was a series of books and movies based upon a similar premise it's sort of uh, never heard of it let's go come on we're gonna call it cretaceous park because that's when most of those dinosaurs well that doesn't really ring we'll, we'll put jurassic on it okay so that but what would you or, think about what if we we could get we can get viable dna from some of these creatures that i mentioned and we could actually create an island all right well that's i mean that is pretty fringy but i tell you what's totally like very real and very right now and almost exactly what you're talking about only scarier because they don't even put it on an island is the attempts to repopulate the megafauna of North America. You've heard about this? Well, that was going to be the starting point from the question, but the problem there is because of the just the land issues there and trying to repopulate. Whoa, whoa, whoa. English eggheads, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Big monsters, Justin. What's the thing that Brian was talking about? Okay, I have no basically, idea. I basically, a few scientists are like, dude, you know what we don't have here? Since we killed all the woolly mammoths in North America, we don't have any massive megafauna, which is science talk for big freaking master badass creatures, Got it. which is a scientific term. And they were saying, why don't we fill that niche? Because obviously there's a place for megafauna on the great food pyramid or food web. I forget what the modern structure is for food. But uh, they were suggesting that we should actually put elephants on the loose here in North America to fill in the megafauna gap. 
Well, Brian, I read that research paper. And the first the, time. The, the first the time you read it, what did you think, Andrew? The problem I had, I loved the premise, and I think it was uh, Science News had a nice write-up about it. The problem I had with it was this. I think it's a lovely idea, and I think that maybe 100 years from now it's a viable idea. Or in the short term, if Ted Turner gets bored with all the bison on his ranch, he can do that. But in the shorter term, if you were Bill Gates or you were you know, one of the Google guys and you had some mad, mad money – you're not going to be able to do that because, you know, there's all sorts of laws and, you know, land use stuff and all that. Problem enough trying to bring back the bison and buffalo. Big enough, the wolf project is a very controversial project in, in Yellowstone. So the viability of doing that, I think, on a right now in the in the plains, I think is a great idea. I'm all for it. Ain't going to happen anytime in the near future. But, but let's say you take some land, some islands or a preserve or some other place and you want to do it at that level – Totally, totally doable. Right, hold on, wait. Now, I might just be functionally retarded. That's probably true. I know. Follow me. So what we're trying to do is put gigantic creatures in where humans live because there theoretically is a place in the food chain which would be above us, right? Yes. For them. N- yes. No, not really. No, yes. They're above us? They are above us. Where, where in did height. they go, Brian? <laughs> and, uh, and in physical when strength. They ate us all, and that's why the mammoths run this continent. Yeah, because that—that's what I'm saying. Like, if if, if there's anything, it doesn't seem just like evolutionary suicide to be like, oh, please, well, no. gigantic creatures. The, no, why don't we help you get back on your feet? This the is el- was, evolutionary they, they, boredom, is what the, it is. It's yeah, just prob- like, remember when we were threatened? Yeah. The problem was, is they weren't above us, and that's why they're not here anymore. Good. In your we, face, woolly, woolly well, you know, Do you know why you still have large large mammals like rhinos and elephants in Africa? At yeah, because our pleasure. They, they, don't have, they don't have automatic weapons. Well, it's, the, the argument is, is because they co-evolved with humans. They learned how to avoid and how to adapt. And so as we were evolving and learning how to run out in the plains, these animals figured out how to do that too and how to stay away from us and how to survive. And that's why they're still around today. When... The Native Americans first came to the North and South American continents. The large animals there, the megafauna, if you will, had never seen these monkeys running around, you know, had never seen us before. And so they were not exactly the most well-designed evolutionally to survive spears being run off cliffs and whatnot. And that's Mainly it was one working argu- in teams. That's what took them down. I mean, regardless sure. of what the tools are, is the fact that we could herd them and, you know, run them off cliffs or you name it. Yeah, but there, I mean, there have been other animals that use those sort of herding techniques to, you know, to get at larger game. But our tools and spears and all that helped a lot and our yes. brains for our bigger strategizing. But yeah, absolutely, it's a teamwork that helped. But again, you know, one guy with a spear could do a lot of damage. So, but it was absolutely right. It's the teamwork. So that's what may have, you know, killed off a lot of that stuff is our ancestors but coming you don't here. Have, you don't have megafauna here in, in I wanna, the USA? No, Brian, I want to, I want to, I want to have megafauna in here. I want to have magical powers too. But as far as the realistic, what's going to happen first? The first thing that's going to happen is somebody's got to make the first mammoth. They've got to bring back the first one. They got to put it somewhere. Well, I but don't that, think that's what they're saying is, is the the project wasn't going to make it mammoth. It's like, let's take the analogs from other areas and bring them over here. Like, Brian, just, no, no, I, those always end horribly. The like, let's bring yeah. things that don't live here over here and try to make it work the way it does in our head. Right. Isn't Brian, that always a disaster? Brian, we can't even get a monorail between L.A. and Vegas or Miami and Orlando. I don't think we're going to get this big, huge, massive game reserve park Fair know, enough. anytime soon. So I so, want it. Now, what what is so much better about an island? Like, that seems to be your point of contention, is as long as there's water surrounding it, everything will be fine. Brian, which would you prefer, one day at Disneyland or an hour at Disneyland? I, I Is this a trick question? No. Well, if, answer. Okay. Okay. Would a, you like a, a day at Disneyland? Are you kidding? Okay. A day, or a, a day or a day or a week at Disneyland? Uh, a, a week at Disneyland. Okay, but what if you can only have a day? Is no good. You don't want to go to Disneyland now. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't want your island. Ob- objection! Be, I don't understand this line of questioning. What is happening here? You well, saying, listen, is, yeah, it, it's impossible for us to put a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of megafauna along the highway system, right? Because there's not, just no I'm, way it's going it, it, to happen. You can put them in the state parks. we can parks. do it. No, we can't. Why not? 
But guys, Brian, it's impossible. Brian, <laughs> if you had if you had if you had a billion dollars right now, you couldn't do it. You if, couldn't do that project. Okay, if I had a billion dollars, the last thing on my mind would be freaking animals. That's your problem. Well, then there we go. How committed are you? No, but listen, there's there's enough no nothing yokels like me who are going to be like, I don't want it. It's going to step on my kid. <laughs> and, you know, that just won't happen. But if you had an island, you're out in the middle of uh, the ocean, you know, you ain't got a bunch of stuff to worry about. You've already paid off whatever local government you're renting it from. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, but I mean, look. There's a reason that the megafauna existed. There was some niche they provided to nature, and why not let them do their job in that niche? Because they're not doing it. We exactly, murked them all. Brian. <laughs> why not provide a jetpack for every single one of us? Obviously, the government does not see eye to eye with what we think is a very, very important policy issue. Historically, a monarchy was the preferable way to Look, run a society. All I'm saying why don't is we that bring it back? Here in North America, there is a substantial part of the food chain that we have eliminated that who knows what or how that or what the <laughs> job of that was. Why not try to fill that niche again? I don't I don't understand the, right. the opposition. To the, it. the, it's not. The, we're saying that's great when you could do that. If you had a billion dollars now, there are human beings right now, individuals. OK, I don't know where you got this faith in big government and big government projects. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And ah, such a whoa, whoa, in who is big government, government, Brian? Who hey, pork barrel brushwood. No well, it's shaking. No, dude, look, I fly like 80 commercial airliners and I pack each of them with maybe, maybe 10 elephants a piece. And we come back with 800 elephants and we just set them loose in <laughs> uh, Kansas. What's wrong with that? I'm all Kansas. for it, brother. I'm all for it. I have no problem with that. Well, then we're in agreement. Why did you? All right. I I, I think though that you're gonna have you're gonna have to buy some acreage there, and you're gonna be limited to that. Well, yeah, but I don't understand what's so great about there being water around the acreage. Just feasibility. Like if we right. had a bunch of money, we could just go. David Copperfield could do that now. He's got an island. He's got money. Part, he could he part figure of, this part out of, tomorrow. Yeah, part of the problem I have the whole the the megafauna concept is they pitched it was they were talking about a range going across several states. Yes. Which would be great, and it can happen. Why but not? We'll, we got parkland on several states. Again, Yellowstone is huge. And the Wolf, right. project, Come the, on. The wolf, the wolf project alone is That's already controversial. the government did it. I want Bill Gates to do it. Yeah. He can't do it. The guy, right. there, there are restrictions. There are federal laws in place. There are local laws in he place. He could buy all of those guys off, dude. Stop he could buy it. off... The elephants, he could buy off the politicians, he could buy off the donkeys. It'll who's, be who, fine. Who, I'll tell you, who's Charlie Day now? Huh? Go Come on. Some, have some paint. So if you could bring back any animal that existed in the last 10,000 years, what would you bring back? Saber-toothed tiger. No question about it. Justin? Ankylosaurus. Wait, 10,000 <laughs> 10, years? What was it? What? <laughs> Justin's knowledge of a history is rather limited. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Charlie Day now? <laughs> Touche. Ankylosaurus. <laughs> no, dude, like uh, Sabertooth Tiger for sure, mainly okay. because uh, you want to make a mint having rich, uh, rich white dudes hunt those. You could get so rich. All right. There you have it. The second most dangerous game. So Justin and I were uh, going over some details of the seance. And in the process of this, we were asked by an individual if we would be interested in going on an expedition. You may remember a conversation we had on this very show, Brian, about giant pythons. I do remember that conversation. Eating gators. And the gators busting out. There is a group of people in Florida whose job is to go out and to hunt down these pythons. <gasps> no. Yes. How? Oh, can I, can I, I mean, I can get a plane. Yeah. No, you're in, man. If you want to be in, you're in. And get this, right? Apparently, in while hunting these pythons, it is common to find them literally at war with the alligator. Like, that is like a regular thing that they see. What? That these things are antagonizing each other and fighting. Are they podcasting? 
<laughs> I don't know. They will be once we get out there. So if we're going to go hunt pythons, what should we bring with us? Oh, uh, man. Sticks. <laughs> don't don't bother with the automatic weapons because Why that's not? just more bullets you're going to miss. You don't want to bullets not the right thing for that kind of thing. First of all, you want a full medieval suit of armor for the each of you. And here's the problem with that medieval suit of armor. Part of this may involve walking through <laughs> walking muck at all up to your up to your armpits potentially. Right. Yeah. Give, give me give me the feasibility on a uh, can of Aquanet and a lighter. <laughs> oh, dude, that would be awesome! Flamethrowers. So we're gonna that... bring flamethrowers. All right. Can we do that? Is that cool? I, I think we'll have to find out from the group if that's appropriate or not, but. Uh... You know, I think uh, if a, you know, python's wrapped around you and it's trying to strangle the life out of you and its fangs are about to bear down on your neck, I'd have no problem using that flamethrower to stop it. Fireball right up its gullet. See how it likes that. Of course, it might burn off all of your hair, too. But, hey, you're my buddy. Small price to pay. Is he doing a body burn? Going all Johnny Storm on it, you know, when it comes near you. It's like, wrap around this sucker. So seriously, what do you bring with you when you're going to go just a really, really sharp knife? Because, you know, that's the problem. If you're going to go out there, there are large gators, large pythons. Some of these suckers are over 20 feet long. Yeah, Yeah. well, I tell you, obviously, I mean, their main attack is to to squeeze you and suffocate you, right? So as long as you have some way to interrupt it before it actually pulls that off, then then you should be all right. I think a knife would be good. It would certainly grab its attention. Um, there's a guy when I when I was a kid, uh, he was a Vietnam vet who actually was a prisoner of war, and they threw a python down, and it started to wrap around him. And he said that uh, what he had to do is he needed to find the head. It was dark, so he he kept hitting it with the hopes that it would bite him. And then once it bit him, he'd be like, "Aha, that's your head!" And then he you know gouged out the eyes and killed it. So just do that. All right. I actually just wrote that down. <laughs> I have a diagram. That's that. You that. know, those are the hints I want to see online with these listicles. You know? So we got to go with the. Uh, we got to go with uh, some sharp knives. Now I think it's just like obviously you got to go to buddy system there to go out there by yourself would just be insane. So giant python. Yeah. Expedition. Are, are pythons susceptible to you know loud noises or? lights flashing or is there any just deterrent is there any you know please go away that works with python pythons um i don't know and i'm confusing interchangeably python with boa Mm. but uh both are frightening snakes to me let me ask you this question should i play a flute in a certain rhythm (laughs) will they slowly rise up (laughs) see i think you got it i'm jealous i want so when are you going we don't know yet. It's duty determined. Yeah. We've got a seance to do first. Yeah, we got to knock out this seance. Listen, I'm a busy a guy. Monster. Can't go visit the giant pythons fighting the alligators until after I've handled Houdini's first press conference in 100 years. You understand. Got, it's busy times. We've got a lake monster, too. Yeah. You guys are going to see a lake monster? We talked yeah, about this building, in the last one. We're, we're building a remote underwater vehicle to uh, yeah. go help us in the search for this lake monster. I've got two different theories from people. I've asked some experts, some local... Uh, wildlife experts and both of them have told me definitively what they believe it to be and both have very different theories as to what it is so oh this is gonna be huge yeah so we i gotta i gotta put in for more vacation time i gotta be part of all this yeah you gotta tell mr slate that you need time off (laughs) (laughs) that's right i'm i'm busy at the magic factory i need to quit making this magic (laughs) well gentlemen this has been the weird things podcast We've uh, found out that uh, neither of you have any interesting ideas whatsoever to do with invisibility. Bone dry. Um, we've we've found we're human. That I mean, we, we, found- we found out we're not robots, unlike you, sir. And you're, you know, <laughs> I will use it to advance mankind. I don't think I ever said that. Uh, we found that uh, Brian is just eagerly awaiting any ridiculous amount of proof to all of a sudden become a devout believer in the paranormal supernatural, even the point that he could delude himself by just writing a few sentences that says, I'm Harry Houdini, and he'd be convinced that he's in contact with Houdini, although from an objective point of view, nothing paranormal took place. By the way, when you just said that, I wrote the words, I'm Houdini. I think, oh. <laughs> I think I'll think i be making a call to James Randi here just, pretty I quick. just wrote the word boner over and over again. <laughs> Isn't that weird? And we, uh, we had some very uh, interesting and idiotic ideas from all parties about trying to bring back 
uh, lost species where I'm trying to bring back these these treasures of nature. And Brian's like, I want elephants. I want elephants. So if you really like elephants, go look at weirdthings.com and see the mechanical elephant video that we posted. Really? Yeah, it turns out that uh, it's not the first one that they used to put these into like uh, seaside boardwalks attractions. They're just these cool lumbering elephants that walk along and they're diesel powered or electric. And some of them have wheels, but they're still pretty cool. And then we've got some of our theories on how we would go on this uh, giant snake expedition. I'm frankly uh, not prepared for this based upon the evidence or the ideas you guys have provided. I hope our listeners can have some better suggestions than <laughs> Wait for it to bite you and poke out its eye. Hey, hold on. That's factually like that worked for that dude. That's why. Also, he was being held captured by the Viet Cong and he couldn't see anything. This is the different situation. Look, dude, when you're there and when you're there and it's wrapped around you and you're going to be like, where's my Aquanet and my my lighter? And you're going to be like, oh, if only I had some practical advice to someone who was in that situation. (laughs) You just remember. That's the worst case last resort advice, though. Which will be the first thing you bastards encounter. I guarantee you. I'm not coming out there. In fact, I'm rooting for the pythons from now on. We've got Walmart. We've got all these options. And then you're like, nah, just just go in there, you know, dressed in some dirty fatigues with the dengue virus. And, you know, face it off. That's that's Brian's advice. Let me tell you something. If it was my world, you'd clap your hand and a a freaking elephant would come stomp it out for you. (laughs) So, but so, you bastards so, be like, where are my elephants now? So no Brian for the Python expedition. He's, he's chickened out. Okay. No, I mean, I'll right. just bring an elephant. But go yeah, ahead. Not, not until he rides in on his pachyderm. His Brian, we're trying to be serious here, okay? We're trying to be serious about our expedition to find the giant boa constrictors that fight alligators. And you got to bring up your insane <laughs> elephant thing, all right? Your lunatic fringe obsession. Jeez. Gentlemen, thank you very much for participating in yet another episode of Weird Things. I can say that this has certainly been very, very weird. Bring back the Ankylosaurus. <laughs> Moron. <laughs>